Hello, here we go again, another podcast episode. Now, where are my notes? 11C, which is 51 Fahrenheit, 1040 millibars on the barometer. Pressure's really high at the moment, so we should have some warmer weather and perhaps a bit drier, hopefully. Having said that, 94% humidity, and the air isn't made up of 94% water. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, I'd be swimming. <laughs> Happy days. I can't tell you about the flag because I've taken it down. I've got the new one, I've just got to put that up, but I'm just waiting for a, well, a little bit of a better day, actually. I I want some warmer weather. So I'll probably be putting it up around next, uh, what, next July? (laughs) Let's move on. You know, I've been banging on about these weird and ridiculous headlines for weather, events and forecasts. Here's the latest one. UK snow forecast. (laughs) Icelandic low set to be displaced with parts of Britain in line for White Christmas. What is an Icelandic low, I suppose low pressure, set to be displaced with parts of Britain in line for a White Christmas? Displaced? What are they talking about? Who knows what they're talking about? Do they know what they're talking about? Why don't they just say it's going to snow at Christmas? Then we all know where we are. You didn't get this in my day when I was a boy. You didn't get Icelandic lows, displaced, struth. I would love to know who dreams up these weird headlines. I suppose it's meant to grab people's attention, is it? I don't know. Let's move on. I've just got to tell you this little story. There was this lady, elderly lady, lived on her own. I think her husband had passed away. And in the street where we lived, there had been a house burglary and a car had been broken into. Now, this old lady, Amy, her name was, she took it upon herself to become chief warden, keeping an eye on the street, bless her. She set her a table. She had an upstairs room with a big bay window at the front. She could look out onto the street. She put a table there, a pair of binoculars, a radio, a clock and a notebook for making notes of who, who did what, when, how and where, with whom and all that <laughs> Bless her. She was a bit of a busybody. I have to add that. A bit of a busybody. A bit of a nosy parker. But the few neighbours that knew what she was doing, the immediate neighbours knew what she was doing, they decided that it wasn't only harmless, it could be very useful. The locals reckoned that it was just some kids mucking around, opportunist-type thieves, you know, going to a house because there's a window open, break into a car. Well, not break into a car. It had been left unlocked and a briefcase taken from the back seat. Bit daft, really, leaving something on the back seat with the car unlocked at night. All this happened at night. So there she was up in her room every evening, listening to the radio, probably listening to the Archers on the BBC Home Service. (laughs) I used to listen to the Archers. It was good. I think it's still going. And she would take notes. Oh, look, someone's called at number 22. Write that in the book. 8.15, someone calling... At number 22, handed something over to the occupant and then left. (laughs) She wrote all this in her book. I saw it. She showed me. And I had to agree with some of the immediate neighbours. You know, it was good that she was doing this, keeping an eye on the, the street and people's houses. After a few weeks, her little black book was filling up with dates and times, house numbers, who did what and when and where. (laughs) It was quite funny. And she had trouble with her little table lamp that was just near her, not too near the window, because she wanted to see out the other side of the room, this little table lamp. 
she had trouble with that, so she went over to the chap at number 26. He was an electrician. He did shift work and he was an electrician. She went over one afternoon before he went to work. And he said, oh, I'll come and have a look for you. He went over to her place. Nothing wrong with the lamp. He said, I can't find anything wrong with that. He checked the plug, the wiring. Everything was fine. And he saw, she told me all this later, he saw her a bay window with her sort of spying set up there, the binoculars. And he said, so what have you seen? Anything exciting? And she said, well, at your house. Now, she was a little bit naughty, really. She did like causing a little mischief. She said, at your house, look in my book every Thursday while you're at work. Have a look in my notebook. So he did. Every Thursday at 7.30, a young man called. And he left at 9.30, two hours every Thursday evening, while this chap was at work. He said to her, I can't believe it. What's going on? I must go and question my wife. And off he went. She told me all this. Now, this was the day after it had happened, she told me all this. And to be honest, I knew nothing about any callers in the street. I was too busy getting on with things to notice that so-and-so had gone there and at half past seven someone went to number 30, whatever. But I saw this chap a couple of days later because we knew each other well enough to say, hi, how are you doing? And he said, have you heard about the, the little old lady? I said, oh, yes, yes, Amy. I said, she's doing a good job. And he said, I think she's doing rather too good a job, to be honest. She's spying on people. And I said, well, I suppose that's part of it, really, isn't it? You could call it spying, either keeping an eye on everything to make sure we're all safe or spying. I don't know which which is the best way to put it, really. He hadn't told me what was going on with the mysterious young male caller at 7.30 every Thursday night while he was at work. But there was a bit of trouble brewing. Amy said to me, I think I've caused a problem. They've had a row because I showed him the book. I think she's having an affair while her husband's at work. She was rather excited. She was coming across. <laughs> she was coming across as rather pleased with herself that she'd uncovered this adulterous situation that had been going on just across the road. She told me that she'd seen the, the couple, the man and his wife, Early one evening, while she was spying out of the window, of course, still just daylight, they were having a row just outside the front door. Now, this was on a Thursday, and she wondered what he was doing there at that time. He was supposed to be at work at sort of two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, not home till 11 or whatever time it was. Why was he there at that time? And they were having a row. Obviously, he'd put it to her about this chap that was calling every Thursday. She was having an affair. Amy was over the moon. She was so excited. Oh dear, what's going on? I think it's divorce. I'm sure they'll be getting divorced. <laughs> it was incredible, really. I felt like saying to her, actually, it's not very nice, Amy, is it, really, to laugh at someone else's predicament like that? Oh, well, it's her fault. It's her. She's going to be some wanton Jezebel while her husband's at work. And she went off on one. I tried not to laugh because I had sussed that this was a setup. This chap and his wife, I reckon they'd had a chat. The visitor was probably quite innocent. There was some perfectly innocent explanation to this visit every Thursday. And I reckon that they'd 
put on this scene of having a, a row, this enactment, <laughs> for her to see. It's rather a long story, this, so I'll try and keep it short. Uh, the lady of the house threw a suitcase out into the front garden. The chap picked it up, put it into his car, and he drove off. So Amy took it upon herself to go and talk to the chap's wife. She went over and knocked on the door. It was a set-up, you've gathered by now. So Amy said, oh, are you all right? I saw you having an argument. I hope you're all right. I've just come to make sure. Is there anything I can do to help? And this lady said, I've been caught out. I don't know how. I don't know who told him. But I've been seeing several men behind his back. Sometimes three men in a day. They sneak in the back. There's an alleyway around the back. They sneak in the back of the house. And he's caught me. I don't know how he found out. And of course, Amy was shocked. Several men every day visiting her house. And this poor Amy, she scuttled off back to her house. She told me this afterwards. She said, the woman's dreadful. The woman's despicable. A Jezebel, a hussy, a blatant, wanton hussy. She's going on like this. And I said to her, look, Amy, I think this is a bit of a joke. She said, well, it's not joking. How can you say it's a joke? The woman's despicable. She sees several men a day. What is going on? I'm going to tell the police. She's running a house of ill repute. <laughs> I said, Amy, calm down. And I took her over to the lady's house. And I said, look, I think this has gone a bit far. And she laughed. Her husband was there as well. This was the following day. And uh, they laughed. And they said, sorry, it's just that, you know, you did all this in your diary about 7.30 every Thursday. What it was, it was the, the lady's brother. He did shift work and he was free Thursday evening. So he went round there to keep her company. He wasn't married, apparently. And he went round there to keep her company while her husband was at work. It's her brother, this young male visitor. Uh, poor Amy's face. Uh, she, did, <laughs> she didn't come out of her house for several weeks after that. She just hid. I think she was embarrassed. It was all okay in the end. She emerged from her house eventually and laughed about it. And it actually, it brought a lot of the people in the street closer. And she did, after a little while, took a lot of convincing. But uh, she did continue with her so-called neighbourhood watch or, or whatever, her spying. She wasn't behind net curtains or anything. She just would sit there in the evening, as I said, probably listening to the archers. I must find out whether the archers are still going. I used to like that back in the old days. It's probably ruined these days, isn't it? They do that. Have you noticed they ruin things? It's probably got a load of weirdos in it or something. <laughs> I don't know. What do we watch the other? Oh, no, I can't mention that. I'll, I'll get myself into trouble. We watch something on the telly and I was just stunned. There's a good word, stunned. Do you remember the word swoon? Ladies would swoon if a posh-looking, handsome young man came into the room. They would swoon. <laughs> I don't think anyone swoons these days, do they? Just going back to the Archers programme on Radio 4, what was it, a, a story all about country folk? It is still going, but the daft thing is, this is typical BBC, I thought I'd just have a quick look online. I found it. There we are, there's the Archers. Click here to listen. Register or sign in. What do you mean register or sign in? Struth. I just want to hear what it sounds like now. I don't want to register or sign in. Anyway, there we are. The archers are still going, but I can't listen. Well, I probably could on the radio. FM radio, DAB rubbish. I'd probably get it on that, I suppose. 
So it is still going, but it's as I said, it's probably full of strange people to keep up with modern times. <laughs> I don't know. Bring back the old days. Who was it? Woolly, was it Woolly? Who was the archer chap? I forget. Um, I forget the names. I haven't listened for years. I think it started in the 50s. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Do you remember Mrs Dale's diary? That was something else that my mum used to listen to when I was... that. I must have been a kid in the 50s when that was on. Mrs Dale's diary. That was quite good. Arthur Finley's casebook. Dr Finley. Oh, Janet. Do you remember, do you remember that? <laughs> that was good. All on the radio. They don't have this stuff on the radio. Well, they have the arches, I suppose, full of funny people. But they don't have stuff on the radio. Armchair theatre and all the other bits and pieces. The radio plays. They were fantastic. It's all rubbish now. One thing we were watching, I can't tell you what we were watching the other night because I moaned about it to Trisha and if I say it on here I'll get arrested. But we were watching this thing and I said to Trish, what a shame they don't bring back Dallas. And she said, well, JR's dead. I said, no, 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 bring back the old, you know, show the old episodes again. They do with Columbo. We've been watching Columbo. That's great. I told you, didn't I? I love the cars. Why don't they rerun Dallas? That was good. J.R. Ewing, <laughs> he was evil, wasn't he? He had various flats, apartments that he owned that he put women in. I think one of them was his sister-in-law. <laughs> I mean, it's, he was evil, but a likeable rogue, I suppose he was, a likeable rogue. And Swellen, do you remember Swellen? Sue Ellen. <laughs> Why don't they show that again? That would be good. I'd like that. I'd watch that. It wasn't Arthur Finley's case, but it was Dr. Finley's casebook, wasn't it? And then... Uh, on the telly, all creatures great and small. That goes back to the 70s, I suppose. They've done a, a new uh, run of that lot with different actors and it works quite well. One of the few things that do work quite well because normally when they make a new series out of an old series like All Creatures Great and Small, it's rubbish. <laughs> Everything is rubbish as far as I'm concerned. Now, there are one or two good things. But in the main, you can be pretty sure if they say, right, we're going to do this again, but with different actors, different people, it doesn't work. It did with Dad's Army. Did you see the episode of Dad's Army or episodes where they had completely different actors? That sort of worked. That wasn't too bad. The chap that played Wilson, though, I, he got it right. It was good. But you could see he was trying to be like Wilson, which I suppose is what an actor does. He tries to be the part play the part but it I don't know it doesn't always work the chap that played Siegfried Farnan in All Creatures Great and Small the new chap I don't know his name I didn't think anyone could ever replace Robert Hardy playing Siegfried I mean he was brilliant Robert Hardy he shouts doesn't he I like it he shouts <laughs> normally I don't like people shouting but I don't mind him shouting and the chap that played Siegfried in the later series I didn't think he'd do it, but he did. He did an excellent job of it. And so did uh, the chap that played James Herriot. Right, that's enough of that rubbish. Let's move on. Just before we move away from TV. Our kids, well, not kids anymore. They're old, <laughs> old people. If we say, oh, we watched so-and-so on the telly last night or we watched this or that, they say, oh, well, no, we don't have TV. We don't have the BBC TV licence. We don't have TV They've got Netflix and all this streaming stuff. No one has TV and they don't have radios anymore. No, no, don't need a radio. I've got my iPhone or my iPad and they listen to streaming stuff on that. It's amazing how 
in just the last, what, 20 years, how much the internet has taken over. People don't have tellies anymore. People don't have radios anymore. But none of our kids have got a landline phone. They've just got mobiles. We've got a landline. They say, oh, we don't want that. What do you want a landline for? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I was talking to our grandson the other day. He's eight. And he's got a huge Christmas tree in his bedroom. He's lucky enough to have quite a large bedroom, so he's got room. And he's put decorations everywhere. And I said to him, when I was your age, I used to make my own decorations. You buy strips of coloured paper, do you remember? Kind of gluey at one end. So you lick that and make it into a circle, stick it round into a circle. Get the next one, thread it through the first one, lick the gluey bit, <laughs> stick it together, and you make a chain, a paper chain. And I remember uh, myself and my sister, we'd sit there for hours making yards and yards of paper chains. And we'd put them from the corner of the room up to the light and uh, in all four corners of the room up to the light, hang them all, <laughs> all around the place. It was fantastic. I don't think they do that anymore. I think that element of Christmas, I mean, I don't know what other kids do, but our kids, they don't sort of get involved in that anymore. Well, I say our kids, they're in their 40s. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, younger kids. I'm not sure whether they do that. I used to love that, making yards and yards of paper chains, hanging things in your bedroom window and stuff all out in the hall. They would decorate the entire house. <laughs> do you remember the old Christmas tree lights? Were they a pain or were they a pa oh, nightmare? They're all going. You'd have 12 or 20 in a set, wouldn't you? And they're all going and then they, they go out. One of the bulbs, because they're all like in, wired in series, one of the bulbs has gone. Which one? You'd spend hours. You got a new bulb, unscrew the first one, put the new bulb in. Nope. Second one, put the new bulb in. Nope. Oh. Eventually they all light up. Yay. <laughs> And I don't know, I don't know. It was all good fun. I loved it. I loved Christmas. Several older people have been saying to me recently, it's not the same. I, I've said, well, it won't be, will it, now we're old? You know, it's not going to be the same when you're 80 or 90-something or 110. It's not going to be the same. But I do know what they mean. I, I do agree. It's not the way it used to be. You know, we didn't have adverts in the middle of July for Christmas pudding and mince pies on the television. <laughs> people waited until December. We've got Easter cards in the shops, haven't we, at Christmas? And we've got Christmas stuff in the shops, kind of in the summer. <laughs> it's all gone mental. It was hard work for the mums back in those days. I remember my mum, she'd be in the kitchen the entire Christmas morning, Christmas Day morning. She would have prepared stuff the night before, get into the kitchen in the morning. She's stuck there all day. We'd have our meal, Christmas dinner, what, two, three in the afternoon. She'd been in the kitchen for the entire day. It's different now, of course. A lot of this stuff just doesn't take so long. I remember Christmas pudding wrapped up in a sheet. Was it in boiling water or hanging over boiling? It would take six hours or something daft to cook this Christmas pudding. Now you bung it in the, in the microwave. Ding! What's that? That's the pudding. It only took five minutes. The cakes take longer. Trish makes nice Christmas cake. But it's so rich, isn't it? All this food is so rich. My plan was to lose at least half a stone before Christmas. So what have I done? <laughs> I've put on a quarter of a stone. Struth, what is the point? Losing weight is so difficult. Do you know, in the old days, I don't think there were many, what can I say, overweight people around. Back in the 50s when I was a kid, 
we didn't have a load of overweight people. Perhaps we didn't have any food. Perhaps we were starved. I think it's a combination. There wasn't so much food, and there wasn't all this ready stuff that you could buy. And even a housewife... Can I say housewife? Yes, because I'm referring to the 50s. They were housewives then. Now they are... What are they now? Birthing people or something. <laughs> Birthing people. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, back then, housework was hard. You didn't have an automatic washing machine. You'd bung the clothes in and press the button. You had a single or a twin tub washing machine. Before that, you had an old dustbin with a, with a stool, wasn't it? A three-legged stool. Do you remember that? I don't. A dolly. Was it a dolly? And you'd put the washing in there. Or the copper. Do you remember that? No, you don't remember it, but you know what I mean. They talk about it on the telly, don't they? The copper. Basically, it's a huge copper container, massive thing, with a bonfire under it. You light a fire <laughs> under the... under. The, have you noticed my voice is <clears throat> getting a bit croaky? I don't know what it is. It's the last few months it's been getting croakier and croakier. Perhaps it's lack of something. Lack of alcohol. I had a lovely... Did I tell you I did, didn't I? Glass of Stone's ginger wine the other day. Really nice. Trisha hates ginger, so no one else is going to drink it. That's all mine. <laughs> and she doesn't like... Oh, yes, she does like port now. Port and lemon. That's a lovely drink. Mulled wine at Christmas. We used to, years and years ago, make our own. You'd have it on the on the old range, you know. Had a range in one of our houses years ago with the old coal fire in it. And we'd put the mulled wine on top and it would warm up. We put What did we put in there? Bits of oranges and... Bits of lemon, all sorts, just chuck all sorts of junk in there. That reminds me of the old pubs years ago, back in the 50s, the 60s, when they sold mild. Who remembers mild, a pint of mild, that black stuff? No, not Guinness, that's black as well. This was mild. What they would do at the end of the evening is they'd open the mild barrel and chuck all the stuff out of the drip trays in the old bits of lemonade, go around collecting up glasses of anything, whatever was left, tip them all into a bucket and tip it in the mild barrel. And that did happen. I don't think they were allowed to do that. But the old boys that used to drink mild, they said it improved the flavour. They knew it went on. They reckoned it improved the flavour. I mean, can you imagine these days, collecting up all the glasses from the tables around the pub, you know, when people have gone, a bit of vodka left in one, a bit of gin left in another, pint of something, a bit of Coke, a bit of orange juice, chuck it all in a bucket and tip it into the, into the mild barrel. They did that. I've seen it done. I have seen it done in the, in the cellar of a pub. Fantastic. They were proper old days. They were the old days that I think you were referring to, Mary, in your email. You like hearing about the good old days. A brick on the bar in the pub. A house brick full of red matches. What's that for? That's for lighting your cigarette. You take a red match out of it, out of the brick, you know, the, the frog, isn't it called? The frog, the dent in the middle of the brick. Take a match out, strike it on the brick, light your cigarette, put the the, you know, the match in the ashtray, all the dog ends and that would catch fire. The whole pub stinks of smoke and stale beer. <laughs> Fantastic. That's what it was all about. It's all plastic now, isn't it? Everything is plastic and horrible. Talking of plastic and horrible, these new houses, the walls aren't plastic. They're plasterboard. You can't put a picture up, hang a picture, for example. You get a nail, you can't bag it into the wall because it's plasterboard. It's just rubbish, absolute rubbish. What happened to bricks? Plus they're all on the bar somewhere. Honestly, new houses, I hate them. I really do hate them. 
Our house is now, what is it? I said the other day to someone, 101, yeah, 1922, 101 years old, our house. And it looks it, <laughs> it does look it. No, it's not too bad, but things aren't square. You know, you like you look at a door frame and compare it to the edge of the wall. Hang on a minute, that's not right, is it? And you look at the door, it's not crooked. There's a big gap at the top and not at the bottom. But I like that. That's what it's all about. I don't like all these horrible new doors they've got. They're dreadful. And all the walls are flat and horrible. The ceilings are flat and horrible. No one has any pictures anymore. I suppose they don't care about the plasterboard on the walls. People don't hang pictures, do they? They might have three, perhaps three pictures on one blank wall. And that's it. I just don't like new houses at all. Even the expensive ones, they just, I don't know what it is about them. There's no character. They're just boxes. The more you pay, the bigger the box you get and the more boxes you've got inside that they call rooms. Where's the old fireplace he's gone? The old ingle nook. Never had a house with an ingle nook fireplace. You know, the big fireplace, you can walk into it. <laughs> you can actually walk into it and you put big logs on the fire. Now that's a proper house, a proper home. Not a sort of box thing. Basically, new houses are just boxes, aren't they? It's such a shame because everything is being lost. That's what I think. Anyway, everything is being lost. No radio anymore, no telly. It's all streaming. No landline telephone. No Ingle, Ingle Nook fireplaces. No bricks in the pub full of red matches. No ashtrays stinking the place out. No, that's probably just as well. But it's true, isn't it? Everything's disappearing. And what is it being replaced with or by? Nothing. Well, plastic rubbish. Apart from that, where's the character? All the new cars, no character at all. New houses, no character, nothing. Clothes. Oh, let's go back to the 1960s. I had a tailor-type fit. I couldn't now. Because <laughs> in those days, my hips went in. So I had a tailored jacket and shirt velvet jacket and it went in at the hips i can't do that these days it has to go out <laughs> to go out at the hips stone the crows i must lose some weight but in those days clothes were stylish even hippie type clothes or whatever flares and it was colorful there's no color now i go down the town i don't go down the town unless i have to i have been down there i think i went there when was it about five years ago went down there I went into a certain shop, won't mention the name. I was after a jacket, perhaps some trousers, but a bit smartish, you know. What have they got, grey or black? Or, or some horrible navy? Well, I wanted something a bit brighter, a bit colourful. Oh, no, we haven't got that. We've got this one in grey, or that one in grey. Or you could have this in grey, look. That's a lighter grey. No, I don't want grey. <laughs> I've got some red shoes. They're like suede red shoes. They're sort of almost boots with laces. They're lovely. Bought those years ago. Wore them the other day to um, daughter number one's birthday thing. And everyone's saying, oh, you've got new shoes. Yeah, you look, new shoes. I don't know why they will say that. Do you remember I moaned about that recently, didn't I? And I said, no, they're not new shoes. I've had these about five years. Oh, I haven't seen them before. Yes, that's because I don't wear them all the time. I only wear them when I go out. Of course, what were the comments? Well, that's why you never wear them then, because you never go out. Yep, true. I'll give them that one. That's true. In the 60s, I had a, a pair of black, just ordinary black slip-on shoes, Cuban heel-type shoes, not boots. And I bought some purple dye. <laughs> Proper shoe dye, leather dye. 
and I painted these shoes. And they were fantastic. They were really good. People admired those. Well, where'd you get those? And I told them that I, I painted them with purple, this leather dye stuff. Fantastic. Trouble is, after a few weeks or months, it started cracking. You know, the dye stuff cracked. It must have been paint rather than dye. I do that these days, but the trouble is I'd, I'd look a bit odd. What I don't like, I had long hair. I was a hippie. I had very long hair. It's no good doing that now I'm in my 70s because my hair's grey. What are these man bun things? Have you heard of man buns? It looks silly. I think an old man, well, I'm not old, but old men, older than me, with grey, long grey hair done up in a ponytail, it just looks silly. It's OK on younger people. I don't know, perhaps I'm being... Perhaps I'm being not very nice to old men with ponytails, I don't know. But these man bun things, what is the point of a man bun? What's it do? <laughs> is it your own hair? Or is it something you sort of stick on with a, a hat pin? I've no idea. My mum said to me, no, it wasn't my mum, my sister. We went there the other day and she said, do you colour your hair? What? What do you mean, do I colour my Certainly not. And she said, well, it's not grey, it's not white. She reckons most people of my age, their hair is sort of silver, white, you know, silver top. And mine isn't. Mine is, you know, it was brown. It's sort of, I don't know, it's still a bit brown. Do I colour my hair? Stone the crows. Of course I don't. I was listening to some old recordings the other day of Kenny Everett. Must have been on one of the pirate ships. I think it, I forget which one. And it was brilliant. It was really nice to listen to. He would muck about. He's having a chat, having a bit of a laugh, playing records. It was really good to listen to. The DJs, or whatever they call themselves these days, that's more rubbish. Everything's rubbish. I said it was rubbish. Everything is. The DJs, I don't know what they're doing. They talk nonsense. <laughs> they think they're funny. Anyway, I won't go on about that. It doesn't matter because no one listened to the radio anyway. They're talking to themselves and <laughs> playing music to themselves. It was good, though. The radio in the old days, the pirate ships, here we go. When I was a boy, in the 60s, when I was a teenager, the pirate ships, Radio London. Do you know what? Really bad news, I'll tell you. Sad news. Wonderful Radio London, 266, on the internet. It was with all the old DJs, original recordings, original stuff from those days. It's been playing 24 hours a day forever. And it's brilliant. It's gone. Three days ago, it went off the internet. I don't know where it's gone. Type into Google, Wonderful Radio London 266, just the three numbers, 266. You'll find it. Listen here, click play and all that stuff. It doesn't work. I hope it comes back. I really do hope it comes back because that's about the only decent thing to listen to. I listened to radio. Do you remember Radio North Sea International? Radio Caroline, all that stuff. It's people now, well, I don't know about Caroline, but this Radio North Sea International that used to be a brilliant station, Swinging Radio England, they're still going on the internet. But the DJs, if that's what they call themselves, seem to be people at home in their bedrooms playing this music on the computer. I, I don't understand it. It's just dreadful to listen to. It's not just me. I've said to other people, listen to it. What do you think? Listen to this. And they say, well, that's awful. <laughs> it is. It's awful. Not to worry, that's something else we've lost, isn't it? The DJs that made you feel part of the radio station. Especially if you're alone. A lot of people on their own. In the evening, perhaps, or during the day, they're on their own. 
the DJs would just make you feel that you weren't on your own, you're part of everything. That's all gone now, all replaced with plastic rubbish. That email from Bob the other day, hello Bob, you're right, you know, about going back. I'm always banging on about going back to the 50s and 60s, not with the knowledge we've got now. No good going back there, because then you're going to think, well, where's my mobile phone? Where's my computer? Where's my iPad? You know, where's this? Where's that? You, you can't go back having experienced now. It wouldn't work. I'd like to go back there having not experienced this. Mind you, I wouldn't want to know what the future held. Imagine if I'm in the 60s, having great fun, nightclubs, clothes, girls, music. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If someone said, right, this is the future, look. This is what's going to happen in the future. I think I'd, I don't know what I'd do. I wouldn't want the future. It's awful. I think I'll have a break now. <clears throat> Rest my voice. I don't know what's happened to my voice. I don't get ill because I'm very fit and healthy. <laughs> I think that annoys some people because, what was it uh, someone said the other day, they'd spent 15 years working in pubs. I said, I spent 50 years sitting in pubs. <laughs> and I don't know, I've not, especially in my younger years, I don't mean, you know, later years married and that, but younger years, I did uh, not treat my body very well, drinking and smoking and doing all these dreadful things, up all night at nightclubs and things. And I must be very lucky. I, I, I got away with it. I've come through the whole thing. I've now got to my age and I'm very lucky. Whereas I know a lot of people with, it's all, all sad illnesses and goodness knows what they've got. So I was about to say I must have done something right. <laughs> I think I did everything wrong. As my sister-in-law said the other day, bless her, you've got good genes. She said, you've got good genes. Right, I shall take a break and I shall come back when my voice has recovered. It's now the following day, so I've recovered. Talking to my sister-in-law and Tricia, they went to Brighton to see Donny Osmond last night. You won't believe this. Parking the car, they went in one car. No good going by train. There aren't any trains half the time. They're all cancelled on strike and whatever they do, engineering works. So they parked the car. They're only there for the evening. £17. What? £17? And if you go over the time, £25 to park the car. It is absolutely, I don't know, it's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Keeping people out of Brighton city centre by doing that. Surely the businesses, the shops, the retail stuff. They want people to go into the city centre. Same here in my town. You can't park down the town, you know, they just rip you off. It should be, as I said recently, the first hour should be free. If you want to do a quick little bit of shopping, you can do that for nothing. After your first hour, start charging per hour. £17. And then 25 if you're a bit late back to your car. Absolute rip-off. Brighton Council or whatever you are, if you're listening, take heed. People will desert your city. On another note... Let's go back to these daft headlines. Here we are, UK snow. Met Office warns Britain could be set for 20 centimetres during bone chilling minus C ice blast. What is a bone chilling minus 9C ice blast? Struth. These are getting worse. I mean, they're coming through almost every day now, these ridiculous... I'd love to know who writes them. <laughs> Happy days. 
Okay, guess who this is? I have to be a bit careful because of copyright, but here's a very quick snippet. Guess who this is? A DJ from many years ago. Hello, darlings. Here comes the weather. That brings back fond memories anyway. Okay, hello, John. Again, knitted swimming trunks. Do you remember? I remember I was talking about that. Knitted swimming trunks. John says that when he was young, he had some knitted trunks, dived into the water, and what happened? Well, you can guess, can't you? They came off. <laughs> the trunks came off in the water. Luckily, he was able to put them back on hurriedly, and no one noticed. He, after that, went on to decent, uh, proper swimming trunks. But I've had several emails from people. Why did they do that? Even younger people have emailed me and said, why did they have knitted swimming trunks? Surely there was other material. There was. There was all sorts of other material, but I don't know. I think, as John said, they were probably homemade. You know, Granny would sit there with her knitting needles. <laughs> click, 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 click. They used to knit everything, didn't they? Grannies, they knitted everything. I had a jumper. My friend's Granny down the road knitted me a jumper because he had a black and white striped jumper. It looked like a burglar, you know, with his bag of loot and his mask, this black and white jumper. And I, I was admiring it, and she said, I'll make you one. Anyway, she did, but it was yellow and blue. She said, oh, I ran out of black and white wool and it didn't, I looked like a bee. <laughs> People called me a bee because it was, no, not yellow and blue. It was yellow and, yellow and black. That's right. I looked like a bumblebee. Anyway, there we are. It was a nice jumper, but people knitted everything. You know, for Christmas, you'd get a knitted scarf, a knitted gloves. I don't know about knitted socks or <laughs> knitted swimming trunks. I did have a pair. Anyway, let's move on from swimming trucks. Thanks for that, John. Great to hear from you. There was a lovely sunrise this morning coming up in the east. The sun, before it came up, the sky was red. Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. You, you know that one? Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Absolutely fantastic. I took a photo of it and I put it on WhatsApp and Facebook and all these other and all these other platforms where people put junk. Why do people take photos of their dinner? There is nothing worse than seeing a plate of food. I don't think anyone's interested in my dinner. I don't do that. I don't take photos of my dinner. And there's been some jokes going round, hasn't there? In the past, what you have to do, you take a photo of your dinner. The next day, go to the chemist. They were called chemists in those days, not pharmacies. And you, you put your film in. And a few days later, it's ready. So you, you've had it developed. And you have to have copies made. And you go around everyone's house posting a picture Look, there's my dinner. <laughs> we didn't do that then. Why do people want to see other people's dinners? Do you? I don't. Do you want to see my dinner? Do you want to see a picture of my dinner? Raise rants at protonmail.com. If you email me, I'll email you back a picture of my dinner. <laughs> Happy days. Talking of knitting things earlier, I remember my mother making her own clothes. Back then, most mums had a sewing machine. Do you remember the old Singer sewing machine? with the handle, clonk, 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 and some had an electric motor, they were posh. But you'd buy these patterns from the local, like a wool shop, wasn't it? They sold wool, knitting needles, material, reels of cotton and pins and needles, the whole lot, the whole kabooble, whatever that means. And she used to come home with a pattern for making a dress or a skirt. And she'd sit at the sewing machine, da -da 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 -da, knocking up this stuff, you know, sewing this material together. And at the end of it all, 
she'd have a nice skirt or a nice dress. I don't think anyone made trousers. I suppose they're a little bit more complicated, aren't they? But people did a lot of that in those days, back in the 50s, making their own clothes. I think during the war, a lot of people made their own clothes because they had to. There were no clothes for sale, I don't suppose. And it went into the 50s. A lot of things did. Went into the 50s, they made their own clothes. I remember into the 60s, my mum sitting at the sewing machine and my nan. I remember my nan when we visited her up in Sutton in Surrey, looking up on the map, Sutton. She used to make her own clothes. The old Singer sewing machine. There must have been hundreds of thousands of those sewing machines around. Just about every house you went to, there's a Singer sewing machine somewhere in the corner of the room or wherever. And my mum also had, which was an absolute nightmare, who remembers the knitting machines? A big long thing, what, four feet long? With a handle, like loads of little needles or row of needles. And you'd whiz this handle back and forth from left to right. You go, she'd sit there for hours. And you, you could knit just about anything on it if it worked. Now, it didn't always work. It would jam up. It would go wrong. I remember a friend of the family took hours away, this chap. And he had it for days and days and days. He took it all to bits and repaired it, brought it back, and it worked. So there's my mum doing a scarf or whatever, pair of socks, I suppose you could do socks on them. Jam. It just jammed up again. That was the end of that. But when it did work, it was fast, you know, and it knitted well. You could uh, you could knit a scarf in, a, I don't know how long, but a few hours. If you sit there going, out comes a scarf. It was good. Also, after the war, during and after the war, this make do and mend. Or was it mend and make do? Whatever it was, people never threw anything away. Any clothes, so you've got a, a skirt, or say you've got a dress that's not very good, it's got old, you can sort of cut the top off and make a skirt out of it. I don't think you could make a, a dress out of a skirt somehow, <laughs> but the other way round, you know, cut the top off. And any material that you had, you'd use up, you wouldn't chuck anything away. And they used to darn socks. I remember my mum and my nan darning socks. These days, your socks have got a hole in them, you chuck them out, don't you? You get another pair from China. <laughs> Whereas back then, you just didn't chuck anything away. Well, not just clothes. A radio, you'd take it in to be repaired. You can't have these DAB things repaired. You might as well buy a new one. If it goes wrong, it'll be cheaper than having it repaired. If you could have it repaired, no one does them. Same with televisions and all sorts, toasters, kettles. People don't repair them anymore. They all go up the tip. You think of all that plastic that's thrown away. All the kettles are plastic now. Everything's plastic. It goes wrong, it goes up the rubbish dump. I don't know where it all goes, all this plastic. I don't know what they do with it. Probably chuck it in the sea along with the sewerage. Email from Claire. Hello, Claire. Nice to hear from you. From Wales. Claire says, when you were a boy, did you feed the birds or did other people feed the birds like we do these days with various bits and pieces that you can buy in the shops? We did feed the birds, Claire, but we didn't have, for example, the, what are they, suet slabs and uh, fat balls. What are those other things, seeds that are all glued together and you hang on a tree? We didn't have any of that. What we did, we put out bread on the bird table or just chuck it on the lawn and bacon rind. Do you remember, do they still have bacon rind? You'd cut the, the rind off with some fat and hang that somewhere in a tree or in the bushes or whatever and the birds would eat that. As far as I can remember, 
there we didn't have in the shops sort of various feed for bird seeds and all this other stuff that we've got these days. Another email from Polly. Polly put the kettle. Sorry, I bet you hear that all the time, don't you, Polly? Mind you, I don't know your age, so if you're young, you probably won't know Polly put the kettle on. Do they still have that sort of thing at school? We used to sing Pop Goes the Weasel. I don't know what that means, and Polly put the kettle. Anyway, Polly, enough of that. Polly says that she knows I like living in the woods. I like to live in a log cabin in the middle of woods with only the animals around me. That is true. She says now, <laughs> she's put here, yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> well done. Here's the thing. Polly lives in the middle of the town. I don't know which town. She says, my lounge window looks out over the high street, so it must be a flat over a shop, I'm assuming. And she says it's lovely to sit there, especially on a Saturday. She sits at her table by the, in the lounge window there, and all the passers going by, people with pushchairs and prams and all sorts of people, old people with walking sticks, young kids running around. She said it's fascinating to sit there and just watch the world go by. People watching. That's right, Polly. I like doing that in the pub. Not that I really go to pubs anymore, but that used to be a, a sort of hobby of mine. Sit down somewhere and watch all the people standing at the bar, having their drinks, shuffling their feet around. So yes, that's, that is a good point. I wouldn't like to live in the town. I certainly wouldn't want to look out over the high street. What's it like at night? Is it a busy town with the pubs and clubs open late? I don't know. I'm not sure I'd like that. But that's good, though, Polly. You say you spend hours on a Saturday sitting there watching all the people shopping. Right. Have you nothing else to do, I wonder? <laughs> Lovely to hear from you, Polly. Anyone else, if you want to email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. I don't know how many more weather warnings we're going to get, but here's one from the Met Office. Danger to life. Well, there's a headline. Heavy rain sparks landslide and flood risk. I've had so many emails and from the Met Office messages and things on their app thing or whatever. I don't know. What's it called? Is it an app? A weather forecast thing on my iPad and phone. I keep getting these messages and yet we've had nothing. Perhaps it's because we're down here on the south coast. I don't know. We've had a bit of wind. We've had torrential rain. Yes. We've had no snow at all. We've had a couple of frosty nights, but that's it. And yet we've been told blasts, ice blast from the east and Arctic conditions and deep freeze. And goodness knows what we've been. Well, I've read them all out to you, haven't I? And yet it's just a normal kind of mid-December-ish time of year weather event. It's an event now, isn't it? If it rains, it's an event. In the old days, it would just rain. <laughs> now it's a weather event. I will read more headlines out if I get any more, which I'm sure I will. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> the highlight of my day. Oh, look, weather event. Danger, danger. Oh, thank you, uh, Rob, in Australia. I'm always saying danger Will Smith, aren't I? It's Will Robinson. Thank, uh, danger, danger Will Robinson. Thanks, Rob, for that. If some of you aren't too sure what I'm talking about, here's a little audio clip. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Perhaps listening to that will now remind me that it's not Will Smith, it's Will Robinson. Thanks again to Rob for that. Now, here's a coincidence, a coincidence. Uh, Terry said to me, did you have trouble with parcels and post being lost in the old days? To be honest, Terry, I can't remember when I was a kid. I can't remember 
letters or parcels being lost. Maybe they did. I would imagine so. Because if you remember the people, the, the sorting offices, millions of letters, and on the trains, they had um, post office trains, didn't they? Where people are all standing there sorting through letters as the train's roaring along. Here is the coincidence. I've just had a note put through the door by the postman. Sorry, there's a fee to pay before we can deliver your item. And it says here, reason. The sender did not pay the full postage. Amount due, £5. The thing is, who is the sender? What is in the parcel? I can pay and they'll re-deliver it or I can go down to the post office and collect it or something. I've no idea what it is. I only order stuff from eBay and Amazon. That's it. I don't buy anything from anywhere else online. And there's nothing outstanding. And it's definitely me, not Trish. So what is it? Anyway, I'm not going to pay the £5. I don't want it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to pay £5 to find that it's something not even worth £5 or something I don't even want. It says on the paper here, choose a delivery. I don't know, pay by PayPal or credit or debit card. No, I won't, not unless I know what it is. I don't remember this happening in the old days. There again, I was a child and when I was into, when I had my own house sort of thing, married and all that, I don't remember. Oh, I do remember once we had a letter through the door. Actually, it was for a chap down the road. I went downstairs one morning. There's the post. I'm in a hurry. I'm going to work. I'm ripping the letters open. And one was for a chap down the road. It was to do with his, what was it, DHSS claim or something, you know, um, social, whatever. I don't know what they call themselves. When you're on the dole or not working and they send you money or something. Anyway, I ripped it open. I didn't, I must admit, my fault. I didn't look at the address. I just ripped it open. When I realised it was for him, I went round there and he went mental. How dare you open my post? He absolutely went mental. Probably because I discovered that he was on the, what is it they call it, on the soch or something these days. Anyway, there we are. Who's this? Royal Mail. Royal Mail, Worthing Delivery Office. Give us five pounds. No, I won't. Now, here's the thing. It might not be the sender's fault. Mind you, if he hasn't paid the full amount, it probably is. You go to the post office with a parcel, you put it over the counter, the chap weighs it, blah, 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 it says £2.50 or whatever. Well, what am I talking about? That was 50 years ago. He says, you know, £36.80 for a tiny parcel. And he puts a sticker on it. Who's had this happen before? He puts a sticker on it, chucks it in the sack behind him. That sticker comes off... I sold something to a chap on eBay years ago. I don't do eBay anymore. I only buy, I don't sell. And I got negative feedback. The seller didn't bother to pay postage. I had to pay postage this end. I had paid postage. I had the, what do you call it, the receipt thing. Proof of sending or whatever. The sticker must have come off. Now Trish had the same thing. She sent a, a parcel out and the sticker came off. She went round the post office, <laughs> you know what she's like, with her proof of posting piece of paper. Wait, look at this, look, 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 look. And the chap said, ah, yeah, these stickers do come off sometimes, especially if you stick them on vinyl tape. So Trish reimbursed the person that received the parcel that had to pay more, and the post office gave Trish her, her money back sort of thing. But these stickers, I've watched them stick them on, and they... They're already peeling up at the corners when they throw them into the sack. 
So I don't know what's the, what is the point? In the old days, we had brown paper and a string and a pencil. And you'd write on the parcel and they'd stick stamps on that had really fantastic glue. You never get them off. Once again, folks, it's progress. Just one more thing. That chap that gave me negative feedback, I did reply to him and say, how could I have not paid the post office the amount of money due on the parcel? You take it in there, you give it to the chap behind the, the glass thing, he weighs it and charges you. He wouldn't say, oh, that's all right, no charge to you because I, I know you. <laughs> so how could I have not have paid the postage? And talking of the main post office, we haven't got a main post office anymore. It's in WH Smith in town. I think the old post office that was the main post office is now, a I don't know what it is, some parcel place or something where you go if they've lost your parcel or something. <laughs> oh dear, happy days. Now you'll be listening to this on Sunday. Well, you might not. You might listen to it on Monday or whenever. But if you are listening Sunday, tomorrow, a week tomorrow, is Christmas Day. Then we can have the New Year stuff, get all that nonsense out of the way and look forward to the spring, the daffodils. I swept up a load of leaves in the garden. As I said before, we can't burn leaves anymore. You're not allowed to. Mind you, people are saying, chuck the leaves on the borders, which is what I've done, because they act as a kind of uh, mulch, is it? And they go into the ground and they give shelter to insects and stuff like that, beetles and spiders or whatever's creepy crawling around out there. So it's probably best not to have a bonfire. And also, if you have a bonfire and it's been standing there a while before you light it, there might be a hedgehog hibernating in there and you don't want to set fire to hedgehogs, do you? Our fox, by the way, I haven't seen him. That food I put out, who is it? Several people said that I shouldn't put cheap dog meat out for foxes well the seagulls oh, they had it <laughs> we had a, a lump of it left it came along sausage sort of tube thing we had half this lump of sausage left it wasn't sausage it was the dog food but squashed into sausage shape we put it up on the shed roof in a plastic container and we haven't even got to the back door Trish and I walking back to the back door half a dozen seagulls squawking and screaming that meat had gone within <laughs> within seconds and one of them picked up the plastic container and threw it over the fence. So that's got rid of that. I don't know where the foxes are. Do they hibernate? They don't, do they? Talking of hibernation, Gary is sleeping well. well whatever he does, sleeping, I don't know, passed out, unconscious. So he's doing all right. We'll have to weigh him at some point to keep an eye on his weight. It won't disturb him. We do that every winter put him on the scales, and of course his weight is slowly going down, which of course is a sign that he's still alive and surviving on whatever fat is built up during the summer. Oh, how remiss of me. Newcomers might not have heard of Gary. Gary is the tortoise. <laughs> Gary the tortoise, who is hibernating as we speak. Next Sunday, when you listen to the podcast, that will be Christmas Eve. Have I got that right? Yes, I must have got that right. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day is Monday. So I will have a Christmas theme podcast episode. Goodness knows what I'm going to say. Perhaps I'll sing Jingle Bells. <laughs> no, 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 I won't. Promise I probably won't listen now. You'll make a note. Don't listen to next Sunday's podcast episode. I was about to edit a piece out because it was a complete mess on my part. But uh, have a listen to this. This is the outtake, so ignore it. No, I don't know. Um, if you've got any ideas, email me, raise rants 
No, it's not. It's Ray at Ray's Rants. <laughs> I'm getting excited about Christmas. Ray at raiserants.co.uk. No, I will get this right in a minute. Ray at raiserants.com. No, it's not. Why did I keep getting it wrong? I'm not that excited. It's raiserants at protonmail.com. Oh, at last. Raiserants at protonmail.com. Stun the crows. We are coming up to an hour, so I've probably done my brain in. Now I won't get any emails. You'll all be sitting there saying, what is it? Who's rants at what? Dot co dot where? <laughs> oh dear. And what I was saying was, what I was trying to say was, if you have any ideas for the Christmas Eve uh, podcast episode, let me know. You know the email address. Dare I repeat it? Raise rants at protonmail.com. Hey. Thank goodness for that. Give myself a headache now. I bet you've turned off anyway. You've all switched off. I think we'd best leave it there before I confuse myself and everyone else even further. Have a good day. I shall see you on Wednesday with the uh, midweek message. And then we look forward, or perhaps we don't look forward, to the Christmas Eve edition where I'm going to sing Jingle Bells. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye for now. Hello, Trish. What are you up to? I can't believe I forgot my email address. Well, I can. You're always forgetting things. Oh, what? Are you saying I'm old? Old? You're positively <laughs> ancient. <laughs> Stone the crows.